Heating Up the UK is part of the Big Heads Media Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. Here's your host, Dan Healy, also known as At the Miami Heat UK. Enjoy the show. Hello, Heat Nation, NBA fans, and welcome to episode 14 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I'm your host, Dan Healy, and this week I've got a something starting very, very special in what I am billing as Heat Media MVP Week. In these dark, gloomy, <laughs> certain times, I decided last week, to, or at the end of last week, to shoot my shot, and I sent a tweet out to some of the um, incredible Miami Heat uh, accounts that are, are, are available today and asking if they wanted to join me on this very podcast. And what a response I got. Everybody um, that I've sent out to replied saying that they are more than happy to come on, which just goes to show that the Heat family is alive and kicking. And what a start we've got. I'm here today uh, with, I'm thrilled to be joined by Sports Director at WLPG Local 10 News. It's Mr. Will Menso. Will, how are you, sir? Oh, Dan, I'm well. I'm, I'm happy to be on. I'm glad you came up with the idea because, man, I, I think you can see by everybody's response, we all miss talking heat. We miss the heat <laughs> so much. So it's nice to talk some heat no matter how far away we are. It's nice to talk some heat basketball. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Will, before we go any further, let's just start with the important stuff. How are you? Are you safe? Are you healthy? How's the family? And how is uh, South Florida in general? I appreciate you asking. And honestly, Dan, I think it's like, you know, what we're seeing all over the country in the United States and all over the world with what people have gone through. We're hanging in there. You know, we've got our family at home. I've got three daughters. Obviously, they're not at school. School has been stopped here in South Florida and across the state. So we've got the girls at home and we take them out for little walks now and then. But we're keeping the social distance. We obviously aren't going to restaurants. Those are closed. We're trying to, you know, get through this as a family as safe as we can. And I've I've got to be honest with you. You know, I I think the girls and my family have handled it well in the sense that we understand that what's going on is much bigger than us. So yeah. we've really tried to respect that. And I have two elderly parents. I have two parents that are 82 and not in the greatest of health. So their right. safety and, and the safety of so many other older folks in particular, but everybody really that's affected by this is, is more, much more important to us than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I was just saying to you just very quickly off air that we're in a similar sort of position over here. We've got, um, you know, pubs, restaurants, leisure centres, yeah. etc. all closed down. But it's just becoming a bit frustrating over this side that people still aren't really grasping the enormity of this. And we've just had our Mother's Day over here, just the Sunday just gone. And it's just frustrating that people are treating this almost like a national holiday rather than a national yeah. emergency of what it is. So, yeah. And as you say, it's um, it's not necessarily that people were thinking that maybe they're invincible to it it's just the more that the bigger thing you know every everything that happens there's got a reaction yeah, so exactly. yeah a, a bit frustrating but um I've, I've actually been following through your um your tweets and uh i've been looking at your your self-isolation diaries and um i've got to say will i think that you're you are it's like isolation goals your your <laughs> what you've been doing so far I, I've, I've made a note of some of them and they've really been cheering me up but this is just a quick replay on some of your uh, <laughs> your your day by day uh, self-isolation tips so this was you this was day two 
and you was making TikTok videos with your kids. Yes. And uh, I was thoroughly impressed with the dancing. I know that I assumed uh, you was with your daughter doing this dance. Yes. Yes. She was, she's, then, I have the three. She's the TikTok champ, the middle one. She <laughs> loves TikTok. And then the 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 the, the, um, the recording sort of panned across to I assume is it another daughter of yours? My oldest one, who is <laughs> past the TikTok, so she thinks it's 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 totally you know the old OK Boomer saying you know she thinks oh my God, Daddy, you're an old man, why are you doing TikToks? So she had the well, eye roll going. Yeah. Yes, she she didn't seem very impressed, but I was very impressed, Will. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> day day three, it was just a picture of a an old school Nintendo which I thought was brilliant because, you know, that that's an absolute old school classic. You can't get much better than an old school Nintendo. No. No. But day, day four was where it really, you really gained my respect. Day four simply read this. Day four, a beer for breakfast. Yes. Oh, yeah. You can appreciate that, can't you? It's very... <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I, I got up and I, I looked around and the girls who I had made some eggs for the girls and I didn't want eggs. And there was a cold beer in the fridge. And I said, you know what? I've got nothing to do today. I'm just going to have a beer. Where am I going to go? What do I have to do? So <laughs> absolutely. Nothing this is wrong what I mean. with that. This nothing is what I mean. Self-isolation <laughs> goals being being played out right here. And, and and so it's gone on. It's gone on. I mean, uh, day seven, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for breakfast and lunch. You know, oh, but yeah. again, just just fantastic. So uh, I hope you're all keeping up the good spirits. It seems we're trying, like you are. We're trying. And, yeah, um, we are. And, and, and continue to, to keep us updated with the uh, with the self-isolating tips because it's helping us as well. <laughs> I will. So, um, Will, just before we get on to um, any basketball, uh, mm-hmm. the vast majority of my follower base are UK. Um, I'd say about 70% of my follower base are UK listeners. So I'm sure they're all, you know, a lot of them are all hardcore Miami Heat fans. But for those that don't know, um, just give us a quick introduction of who you are and what you do. Well, I mean, my like you mentioned, when the intro, it, I my day job is I'm a sports anchor and reporter uh, for the ABC affiliate. It's WPLG-TV here in Miami. And I've actually been there for 21 years. Uh, that's my, you know, wow. I guess you could say my nine to five job, even though those aren't my hours. But that's my daily job, five days a week. But about seven years ago, I got lucky enough to uh, get asked by the Heat television crew if I was interested in in being part of their broadcast team. And they had we had a long time uh, Miami radio and television guy named George Sedano. And George now works at ESPN here in the yeah. U.S. And he covers basketball. And George left for that ESPN job and they needed someone. And they thought of me and I went in and auditioned and I got the job. And to me, it was a dream come true because I, I was raised in South Florida and I, I got to Miami or South Florida, I should say. My parents live in West Palm Beach, it's about an hour north of Miami. I got here in 1985, and the Heat came into existence a few years later. So as a kid, I got to see this Miami team become a team and grow, wow. and the South Florida team, and Pat Riley came, and all these different things that happened. And then I was fortunate enough to get a job here in television as I got older and covered the team, and I covered that first championship in 06. And wow. it was, you know, to, so to get the opportunity to then be part of the broadcast team and to be at games all the time and do studio shows, to me is honestly, I know it's a cliche, but it's a dream come true. Yeah. Uh, to support a team that, you know, not often do you cover the team that really is the team you love. And in my case, it is. I mean, I truly am a Heat fan who loves the Heat. So to be able to cover them is, is something that I, I don't take for granted. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's like really, as you say, dream come true stuff. And uh, congratulations on your success and well done and everything else. But I assume really for you every day, even though you work hard and you've done brilliant, but every day is just, I mean, you, you must just think this is, like, you can't believe this is your job. It's just, it's fun, no. right? Oh, I, well, let me tell you, when I go to, you know, usually I get to the heat games here, Eastern time are at 730 normally, yeah. home games. 
I get to the arena around normally about four o'clock, three thirty to to do reports sometimes for my for my Channel Ten yeah. job for that that job I told you, you know the ABC job, and then also to prepare for the games. And I sit there courtside, you know, I catch up with the guys and watching them do pregame, and I'm tweeting out videos, and I'm th- and I'm thinking to myself. This is my job. I mean, uh-huh. this is, wow. I mean, I, trust me, I'm happy to get paid, and I do have you know, like, <laughs> my three daughters, and you know, they want to go to college, and I got to make some money. But uh, just Oops. to be there and that is, to know that that's my job and is I every day I look at. It, I never sit there and go, oh, man, this stinks, or I've done this so many times. It never gets old to me. It's always wow. fun. Absolutely, living the dream, brilliant. And uh, I, I assume um, you also follow, uh, you report and follow for all of South Florida sports, mm-hmm. yeah. I do. Yeah. Then that's really my day job. You know, sports anchor, sports reporter. So I cover sports year round. And when I say, I mean, year round, I mean, it's, it's my daily job. So I cover the Dolphins, the Marlins. We have the new, you know, the, you know, football team here that we have inter Miami, yeah. David Beckham's team that just started, uh, yep. you know, the Miami hurricanes, which is my alma mater. The university of Miami is where I went to school. So we cover wow. their sports and, and the Florida Panthers is our hockey team. Do you name it? High school sports. I mean, we cover all sports and I'm lucky enough to do that for 21 years. So it's definitely, you know, when it comes to South Florida sports, I get to see it all. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Well, I do have a, I am a also a, a massive um, Miami Marlins fan. So I've, I do have a question about them later, but uh, we'll, okay. we'll cover ma- majority of this, obviously, um, on the heat. And it's great to be talking about the heat. Um, so let's, let's dive into it. So um, end of last season, a uh, bit of a write-off of a season. Uh, one of the few um, that we haven't under, I uh, suppose, stewardship um, finished in the playoffs, finished mm-hmm. below 0.500. Um, 10th place finish, I think it was a 36-win, 38-win season. So not not one to remember by any means. Yeah. Um, then, obviously, we had uh, an, a fantastic uh, off-season with the acquisition of Jimmy Butler out of nowhere, really. Out of Cap Hill, uh, we managed to, to bring <laughs> so in an true. all-star caliber player which was fantastic um but even with that I'd like to get your idea on what your sort of season expectations because I've said on a couple of times on this podcast that my expectations for this season um were maybe a little bit more pessimistic than what some of the other uh, the rest of the fan base that I was interacting with I knew this was going to be a better season it, it, it couldn't be anything other than a better season just just from the arrival of Jimmy if nothing else the fact that Bam was going to be getting his starting berth um you know that that was the the two main positives for me but I sort of predicted I don't know um, a couple of games above 500 Mm -hmm. 43 40 win uh, 44 win season was what I was saying what was coming out of the heat organization was that the the target was a 50 win plus season um, a home court seed Um, where did you sit did you think that that was a reach or did you think that was perfectly achievable what did you think going into the season it's funny then because you know what you're saying and then what the heat expectations mine were kind of in the middle. I really thought that this was a 45 to 47 win team because I knew that Jimmy would make them better, but mm. I wasn't sure what the development would be of other young guys. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know Tyler Hero was going to be so productive right from the start, you know. Yeah. I knew they liked Tyler. I thought that they thought he had potential to grow. I don't think anyone thought he was going to be this closer guy. I mean, when they talk about the fourth quarter and Tyler time and, yeah. and he was just lighted up in the fourth and the band development, I did. I don't want to say expect it to this level because I, I if you would have asked me preseason, will Bam Adebayo be an all-star this year? I probably would have said no. And that wouldn't yeah. have been an insult. That's just, you know, to make that kind of leap is an enormous leap. And Bam, to his credit, has made it. And then Duncan Robinson, who went from a guy who barely played as a rookie who had what he made, he made what 10, 12 threes all of last year 
to mm-hmm. a guy who has now set the heat record for threes made in a season. So when you look at what's happened, I did not foresee this. I thought with addition of Jimmy, some young guys improving, 45, 46, 47 wins was doable. I didn't think this was a team that, as it, you know, the NBA season came to a standstill, was a 50-plus win team and one of the top four teams in the East. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that, I w- again, I was really looking forward to seeing um, to Bam's progression now that he finally was getting his starting berth. And um, I, I've always, you know, beat the drum massively, as as have, have all of the Heat Nation uh, yeah. about Bam and Abaya. But I, I was the same. I, I never, even with his the, the expectations that we had, I didn't see it being this much of a leap. No. I mean, I, I even went, before the season started, I was, again, banging on about how brilliant Bam's going to be. But I said before a ball was bouncing, I said, look, you know, we've taken out Whiteside. Um, people will say whatever they like, yes and no's about Whiteside. But I actually said before a ball was bounced this season that Bam is still an inferior player to Whiteside at that time. I said that I thought that you can see where it's going. I said that I thought that that would change very quickly. But I yeah. said that at that moment, I said that Whiteside's, um, you know, what uh, positives I thought was going to be uh something that would would outweigh bam's positives but i i did say that that will change very quickly well not only did it change i mean it's just as you yeah. just said there like to, to get onto that sort of that leap so quickly and his his ceiling i mean how high can this guy go will yeah i, I mean i'll be honest with you you said the you know the hassan i i always liked hassan and i understand Same, what I the did. issues yeah. i know the issues that the heat and, you know, in particular, Heat fans had with him because of his attitude. Maybe yep. the way he acted at times wasn't something that fans liked. But when he was on the court, he was giving you 16 points and 14 rebounds most often, more often than not. He was yep. giving you double-doubles, and somebody had to replace them. And to just say, well, Bam's there now. He's going to do it is much easier said than done for a guy Absolutely. who— you know, he hadn't gotten those opportunities yet. But what Bam has done to jump from, we knew the energy and the defense was there. We knew the hard work was there. there you know, you, you knew what you were getting there from Bam. But the leap he made offensively to be a guy that could just, you know, as a, as a finisher it, to, to put back to the soft jumper he's developed, to the post yeah. moves we've seen him get to. And, this, and the funny thing about Bam is I, I really don't think he's even scratched the surface yet on his offensive game. So, the fact yeah. that he made that leap in less than a year, I mean, he did it right away. He started the season. We're like, holy cow, look at this guy. Yeah. He is a legitimate star in the making. So, you know, as much yeah. as Hassan was a force and a guy who can get double doubles, and at times we even saw him get triple doubles, uh, Bam Adebayo is a unique player that, quite frankly, Hassan Whiteside isn't that kind of player. Bam has elevated his game to something different that I think a lot of people didn't expect. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you absolutely spot on with uh, the leap he's made already and the fact that we are still seeing him still really absolutely, right at the beginning yeah. of his career. He's got levels to go yet. And this is a guy who could be anything he's he wants 22. to be. Here's the thing about Dan that makes me laugh. He's 22. So the other day I, I told you, know, you see the guys behind the scenes. I joke with Bam because he had talked about Kendrick Nunn and he said, oh, you know, the kids really making some big plays, you know, about, you know, I had interviewed Bam and he, and he referenced to Kendrick as the kid. And I said to him, the kid, that kid is two years older than you are. You know, we sometimes <laughs> forget Bam is 22 years old. You know, Kendrick Nunn's 24 because he went to college and then he had to yeah. go to the G League. And so he's a little bit older. So the fact that he has that maturity and that, you know, the, the, his, his play and ability and he's only 22 tells you a lot about where he's still got to go. 
absolutely yeah it's scary it's scary and it's fantastic and the thing is as well it just seems like everyone just loves him the whole league seems to just love him um yeah. you know it's it's a really exciting thing to to have and uh yeah well and truly this is going to be bam season for the next uh for the next for the foreseeable future for sure yeah. um so so coming away from bam for a minute when you look at this team um going into the season as i said you know amazing to get uh, a player like jimmy butler out of nowhere really um he's sort of taken the mantle from from Dwayne. and when you look at it at the moment you've got you've got jimmy butler an all-star caliber player with basically a couple of mid-round picks and a couple of undrafted rookies can can you still fathom how this has gone so well you know that you look at this but compared to what we had last year. Now we had some yeah. very competent, very good, solid NBA players last year, but the team has transformed dramatically yeah. to this young, exciting team. And, you know, when you look at it, I mean, blimey, uh, you know, Duncan Robertson, as you said, just shattering records, you know, yeah. in his first full season, Kendrick Nunn, just out of nowhere, coming out of nowhere, uh, giving you a solid 16, 17, 18 game, points a game. Um, you know, Tyler Harrow, as you just said there, that, you know, that, the ball was already on this kid, Mr. Fourth Quarter, he's getting this nickname for. And this is all under the stewardship and uh, being marshaled by by yeah. Jimmy. Um, how much credit goes goes to Jimmy with, with uh, the success so far this year? Well, I think it's a couple levels to what you just said. Let's start with the Heat recognizing those players, right, and then giving them opportunities to grow. It's so hard to do that in this league to get guys in, in those areas. Remember, Bam... Bam wasn't a top 10 pick. He was outside of the top 10. So yeah. I think if you redid that draft, I think a lot of teams would be thinking Bam's a top five pick. So the, them recognizing and then developing players is, is, is incredible. Number two is the players themselves working because there's no way that you could tell me that if you sat Pat Riley and Eric Spolster down last year and you said, hey, Duncan Robinson, what do you think? that they would say, oh, I think by next year he's going to be the greatest three-point shooter in Heat history statistics. <laughs> there's there's no way, as as smart as they, they are in basketball, there's no way that that's what they could have expected. So you have to give credit to the players themselves. And Tyler, sure. the way he's coming with the confidence. And you mentioned Kendrick and the way he's come in, you know, getting these opportunities now. Kendrick got picked up on the last day of last season when they mm-hmm. when they got rid of, remember when they let go of Rodney Magruder and a lot of Heat yep. fans were like, man, they let go of Rodney. He's, he's, he was such a culture and likable guy. You bring in, who the heck is Kendrick Nunn? Okay, great. Some guy in the G League who could score. Wow. And now a year later, he wins you three straight months of Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. So credit to them. But to your point on Jimmy, I think Jimmy is, Jimmy in the way is that guy that gives them the extra push. The motivation is there for them, but they see a leader. And as you said, an all-star, a guy who's got as much money as you could ever imagine. And he's got a big contract. What does he have to put in the extra work, right? What more does he have to prove for himself, meaning? But yet every day, he's the guy who's out there working hard, up early, pushing guys, pushing himself, wanting more from the team. That's leadership by example. And, you know, Jimmy can be hard. I mean, Jimmy is, Mm -hmm. you know, the stories you heard of Jimmy in the past, the reason that certain guys haven't dealt with it well is because their skin hasn't been thick enough to deal with that. It's not easy to be criticized, constructively or not to be pushed. Sometimes you push back in a negative way. Jimmy has found a way to be the himself, but these young heat players push back in a constructive way and not with attitudes and like, give me a break and leave me alone. They want to work and match his energy and his effort. And it's come together to form this team. That's so much fun to watch and be around. 
Yeah, no, absolutely spot on. And the, the thing is, Jimmy sort of has one really simple rule is that if you work like a dog, then we're going to yep. we're going to get on fine. We're going to get on fine. And yeah, I think right. that he he said, um, you know, that Spo has said, you know, look, heat culture, it, it's not for everyone. And Jimmy said that is absolutely spot on. And he he gets it. He gets that that, yeah, that he heat culture. He's and, perfect. He is honestly, Dan, he's made for heat culture. He Absolutely. doesn't. He, he, you take the good and the bad, but you keep moving forward for the be, for the betterment of the team. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So, um, coming on to the present day and uh, the dark and gloomy times right now. Um, yeah. Before we go into it properly, in a word, will do you see basketball being played again this season? Man, Dan, you're putting that's that's a tough question. I mean, in a yes or no, I would say I still am an optimistic person. I'm gonna say yes. Okay, I do. good. I do. Good. Maybe a, a fair away might have been rather than yes or no, because that's very difficult. Is what what maybe percentage chance do you see that we get we see basketball again this season? I, you know, honestly, if you would have asked me uh, two weeks ago, I would have said 75, 80 percent. I felt pretty strongly. Mm. I would say it's probably in the 60 percent range. Like I'm still in the majority that we see the game again. I think Adam Silver is a great commissioner. I think he understands the gravity of of this situation as a public health issue. And that being much more important than any sport. But I also think he is a very, very creative person. He, he, he comes up with ideas that I, I could foresee him late summer, mid to late summer, coming up with some sort of playoff where you can get the, the rest of the season. Maybe not the regular season, but the rest of the playoffs in and mm. crown a champ. I still think that that's the goal of the league. But as we know, we were talking earlier, you, you mentioned it, it was a great point. If people don't do their part and this this situation stretches longer and longer and there's health, you know, the health issues and concerns continue longer, then I don't think there's any way we'll see sports anytime soon again, because yeah. you just you, you can't put that above public health. Yeah, well, that, that's that's a great point, Will. And that's maybe what people need to remember is, you know, everyone's moaning that, you know, they're having to stay in and we, we miss our sports, we miss our basketball, etc. Well, yeah. it's only going to get better if people follow the guidelines. So, exactly. you know, you want your sport back, then abide by what you're being told to do. So, oh, I mean, if if um, so, let's say that we do see basketball again. Do you see any way? that we complete some of the some or all of the regular season games? Or do you think if we're going to be coming back to see an NBA action, we're going to be dipping straight into the playoffs and maybe even a shortened series of playoffs? How do you see it playing out? I think what you just said, I think the playoffs and quite frankly, I think maybe a shortened series where it's three out of five in those first rounds. And, you know, then you have your finals. I just, I, I think the, I guess the positive in all this for the NBA from a basketball perspective, not from a life perspective, is that you are pretty much done with your regular season. Most teams had 15, 16, 17 games left. And quite frankly, the playoffs are pretty much set when it comes to the eight teams. Out West, there's still a little bit of a battle that could be going on for the eighth seed. But overall, you pretty much have 15 of your 16 playoff teams are going to be in. It was just a matter of seeding. And I don't think seeding yeah. is that important when it comes to saving a season. I think to me, it's just get to the playoffs, get this thing going. If everything works out and figure out a way to crown a champ, because I think if we, first of all, we all want basketball back in our lives if we can get through this. And number two is when you go through a season like this, you really want to see a champion crowned and see teams have opportunities. That would certainly, that's something that all sports fans and NBA fans want to see. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that if, if we are going to see, 
um, see basketball again this year. I, I don't know whether or not they're going to be able to. It, I mean, it is very up in the air because who knows? Who knows how long this is going to go on for? Yeah. But I I think that um, yeah, if the most likely scenario is going to be we we dip straight into playoffs and perhaps even a shortened season. So at this moment in time, that probably looks the most likely outcome. But hey, as you said, if it means we see sport, even if it means we see sport in enclosed arenas. You know, yeah. that's something that's something for us to to analyse, to enjoy, to watch again and just get uh, get our minds off of everything else. So, yeah. yes. OK, right. Well, we will come back on to um, to uh, the heat in a minute. Um, I've got a few quiz questions I want to fire at you. I just want to ask very quickly. I, want, I only want to spend a minute or two on it because, you know, this is a Miami Heat podcast, but I'm a big Marlins fan. Big MLB okay. uh, fans. So um, obviously gutted that, it, that again, that we've, we've missed the start of the season. I was supposed to be coming over for the opening two games as well as two heat games. So big, big shame there. But um, the Marlins obviously are going through a process. Um, we're now in year three of that process of our re- rebuild. Um, the acquisitions of, you know, Dickerson, Aguilar, VR, that's added some much needed pop to our offense. Um, how did you think that the season was going to sort of play out? I assume you was... That you would look at it and go, well, this team is better than last year's team. And uh, did, well, did you think that, that there was going to be a, a, an improvement in terms of wins and maybe even position? Here's the thing with the Marlins, and I've been pretty firm on it, you know, from the start of the rebuild. There was going to be a lot of losing before we saw you know, the corner turn, because to me, all that mattered was revamping that minor league system. And I thought what Derek Jeter and the front office and Gary Denbow, what they've tried to do, you know, Mike Hill is assess the talent they had, move pieces around and rebuild that farm system. And honestly, Dan, when you look at it from that perspective, they've yeah. done great. I mean, most people, most so-called baseball experts or analysts will tell you that the Marlins have a top 10 farm system. Some will tell you they have a top five farm system. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that's the good news. Here's the bad news. Despite those additions you just mentioned, and I like all those moves. I think those are all solid major leaguers. The majority of Marlins prospects out there that are going to be at the major league level and probably have an impact that have made that system so good are still a year or two away. And because of that, you're still kind of filling the pieces with guys that are probably not really the focus of your core. You bring in some of those veteran guys to, you know, to, to give you leadership, to give you some on-field play and experience, but it's hard to judge this team. I, I personally thought this team was still going to be a team that lost a lot of games, probably in the 95 to 100 range. Only because I just I just don't think that that core is ready yet. There are so many young arms. When you look at Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera and Trevor yeah. Rogers and these guys that are in the pipeline, they are so talented. They're just not there yet. And when yeah. you take it to the next level and Jazz Chisholm and J.J. Blade, even Monte yeah. Harrison to some extent, whether he's going to be ready to perform this year, Diaz, all these other guys that they have. I don't know how close they are. So I like everything they're doing, Dan. I think they're headed in the right direction. I still think you were going to see a team that was going to take its lumps this year a bit in a very tough division. But I don't think we're that far away from seeing what Derek Jeter has envisioned. And that's this young core at the major league level. Hopefully, I think for 2021 moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, yeah, you look at um, that farm system and I I've, I personally think that, that that's underranked. I think that's quite comfortably a top five farm system. I, think I, all I, those agree, players with you. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, exciting times. I, I, I tend to agree. You'd like to think that there's an improvement. The team is better than it was last year. So you'd like to see that there's an improvement there. Um, but I, I think we're still another at least year, two years away from to yeah. maybe 
coming into any sort of contention. So, okay, no, thank you for that, uh, Will. That's a nice bit of insight there for, for the Marlins' perspective. One other quick thing, just before we come on to this quiz. Um, horrific timing again for um, uh, something that's been, uh, getting a lot of um, attention over here in the UK, which is David Beckham's Into Miami. Yeah. Um, I mean, what a shame that the, the guys that have put this together years and years in the making, um, obviously two away games to start, two defeats, but, you know, two good performances, nevertheless, finally going to get a home game and then obviously the outbreak uh, occurs. Um, what, what do you think is going to, if and when we get playing again, um, any big yeah. things expected from Inter or are we still a bit short on um, uh, in the process for, for Inter Miami? Well, I think with the MLS season here, the way it works in the United States, our, our seasons for MLS go into well into October anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's the regular season. So I and they have Don Garber, the commissioner of the MLS, has already said they, they'd be willing to go into December with action if it meant, you know, pushing, extending action. So I feel pretty strongly that there will be there will be, there will be an MLS season and that yeah. we'll see Inter Miami and all the other teams return. When that happens, we'll see it. Maybe July, August, but I do think you'll see a remainder of the season. The question with talent, look, we spent seven years of waiting for this team, almost seven years, six and a half to be exact, and David Beckham is stuck through and trying to find a stadium and trying to find business partners, and they finally get the team, and it's so great for South Florida. And like you said, I thought they put on good performances the first couple games. The thing with them is they're lacking a little star power. They don't yeah. have a real striker, a real score, a real producer in that perspective. And they certainly don't have a big, big, you know, name that nah. you can just say these names worldwide and people know this name. Yeah. I think that's the next step, finding a striker, finding someone who can finish, someone who can score, and then finding a big name. The talk before all of this happened was that when the summer transfer window would open up, that they would look at someone else and look potentially at that. How, honestly, Dan, everything that's happened now changes that, I'm not sure. But I know okay. that long term, from the near future moving forward, they know they have to get a name. They know how they have to get a score. They know they have to get an impact player to go along with some of the nice older and young pieces that they have on the team now. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the, the name is the star name is going to be really intriguing because it shouldn't be difficult to attract somebody to uh, to David Beckham's into Miami. You I'm sure think it should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let me ask you, in, the, in, the, in their career before they end, do you see Eva? Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo ever putting an Inter Miami jersey on? You know, I'm going to say yes. I, I'm so going to say I. yes because I think that David has a good enough relationship with guys like that and some of these big names that these players, look, they both, Jorge Mas, who's the, you know, the main money guy and owner for the team that came along about a year and a half ago, uh, he has said, and their sporting director has said, we don't just want to bring names for the sake of bringing names. But... Let's be honest. If you've got an opportunity to bring a Messi near the end of his career when maybe he doesn't have the the impact anymore overseas as far as from a player, you know, what he can really perform, even here, you know, he would be – I mean, are you kidding me? He would steal the show. It would be the greatest thing <laughs> to hit MLS since David Beckham. So and you've seen some of the international players come later in their career and have success. Oftentimes the MLS is called kind of a retirement league for players from the Premier League and La Liga and things like that. But the reality is – most of the players that come here still can play the game. They mm -hmm. maybe just can't play it at the level they did, obviously, when they were over in Europe and in other countries. So uh, the reality is I do think something like that will happen, and I think David Beckham would love to see that. He hasn't shied away from saying that he's going to call some good friends and soccer yeah. buddies that, that can still play the game with big names. Yeah. Yeah, well, you you couldn't ask for a better place to if you are going to use it as a retirement. There's not many better places that you'd like to retire. So, and uh, if anyone's got that pulling power, 
Well, it's Bex. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. look at that. Absolutely. OK, right. Thank you for uh, for a little bit of um, off topic stuff there. So that's great. Right. Coming back to uh, to um, NBA last segment here, Will. And I'm going okay. to um, I'm going to ask this to all the guests that I've got on this week. Um, oh. This is a little segment called How's Your Memory? And it's five questions. Okay. Um, all to do with um, all to do with the, the season so far is three okay. Miami Heat questions and two just general NBA questions, and I okay. want to see how how much you can remember, and we'll score it and see who the champion is at the end of the week. Oh wow! Okay, right. First up, are you ready? Okay. Question one: Miami opened the season with a 120 to 100 win, 101 win, sorry, over Memphis Grizzlies. Who mm-hmm. top scored for Miami that night? Justice Winslow, 27 points. Wow. Straight in there. What? Yes. That is fantastic. Yes, correct. I, I got Absolutely. one. <laughs> you got one. Okay. I got one. Right. I, I, at least I can say I won't go over. I got one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Question two. Who did Miami first lose to this season? Who did they first lose to? The, I believe it was, no, it wasn't the Lakers. No, the Lakers, they, were, they had one loss at the time already. It was oh my gosh you put me on the spot how, how long do I have I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm rattling my head over the first few games of the season they won they started out five. tick tock tick tock tick tock tick tock tick tock I'm gonna say uh, Philadelphia Philadelphia is incorrect it was the Minnesota yeah. Timberwolves in game three oh that's right that's right on that yeah. trip where they beat Milwaukee then we beat Milwaukee and yeah, without Jimmy and then we uh, in overtime, and then remember, we lost. Yes, him. I remember that stretch. Yeah, I yeah, think that it was, was the back, second night. Bad second night of a back-to-back, I believe. So I do remember. Yeah, we beat Milwaukee in that crazy overtime game, and then lost to Minnesota the next day. That's it. That's it. Okay, right. Question three: Who is averaging 12.9 points per game for Miami this season? Uh, I believe Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is correct. Two out of three. Yes. We're doing well. Okay, okay, two NBA questions now. And now, okay. don't look at your phone. <laughs> this is okay. a little bit, this could be easy, but who knows? It depends how, okay. you know, people's memories and so on. So question four, who is the current ninth seed in the East? In the East? Yes. Uh, it is the Washington Wizards. Correct. This yes. is good showing. Three out of four. So okay, far, last up, one. Up, up, up. Not okay. bad, right? This is uh, you need two. This is uh, two players are the answer to this, and you need both okay. to get the point. Okay. Okay. There are only two players to average two steals per game this season. Who are they? Two players in the league averaging two steals per game. Oh man. Uh, I will say, and I, I think I'm wrong, but I don't want to take up too much of your time and holding because this is one of those that, yeah, this is. I think who's a great defensive player steals. I will say Lonzo Ball and Jimmy Butler. Both incorrect, I'm afraid. It's Ben Simmons <laughs> and Chris Dunn. Ben Ben Simmons is 2.1 steals a game, and Chris Dunn is on two steals per I game. I would see I, Simmons. I should have gotten. I would have never gotten Chris Dunn. I would have never <laughs> no. gotten Chris Dunn. <laughs> okay, well that's a good showing. Three out of five. So we've got uh, we've got Ethan Skolnick uh, from the um, Five Reasons Sports Network on tomorrow. He will have. Three out of five to try and beat tomorrow. So that's great. Right, Will, before you go, and I really appreciate you joining me, um, in these dark times, until we see sports again, um, I assume you're a Netflix subscriber? I am, yeah. I am, okay, uh, well, can, you, can you give us a Netflix series or Netflix film completely of your choice that you would recommend to all the followers? 
to tune in whilst See, we're waiting for sports. That, this is a, let me tell you, Dan. This is the thing about me is I I don't watch much TV because I, okay. I try to stay away from watching TV. So I'm not a big Netflix binger. But I okay. will say this: when I get into certain shows, like I love Narcos. I, I watched Narcos. Uh, someone recommended to me. I binged on Narcos. But that was a couple years ago. The most recent show I've watched that I really enjoyed was The Kaminsky Method. It was uh, with Michael Douglas and I believe Alan Arkin. And I'm, it was a uh, he basically Michael Douglas plays an aging uh, acting coach who was a very big acting coach in Hollywood. And now he has his own studio and he's kind of over the hill and he's just trying to kind of get through life and all this stuff. For some reason, that show, I watched the first two seasons and I really enjoyed it. But it depends what kind of mood you're in. It's kind of an older yeah. humor, you know, slower show. But I enjoyed that show a lot. Excellent. No, that's a great recommendation. Be sure to check it out. So, um, right, we'll we will we will wrap things up there. I don't want to take any more of your time. I really appreciate you joining me. Um, for all our listeners, we've got a bumper week uh, this week. So, obviously, Will just joined me. Brilliant episode with Will. Tomorrow, I've got Ethan Skolnick from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Then on Wednesday, we've got Mr. Uh, Vo- Voice of the Miami Heat himself, Mr. Eric Reid. Oh, on Thursday, we're joined by uh, Jason Jackson. Really looking forward to it, speaking to Jax. And then Friday, we've got uh, Tony Fiorentino, the coach himself. Really looking forward to that. And then it finishes show. up finishes up on Saturday with uh, with Mike Inglis, who does the uh, the radio broadcast each play by play show. So a fantastic bumper MVP lineup. Um, Will, thank you so much for joining me. Always Stay my pleasure, safe. honestly. Yeah, you too. And, and listen, when you get to the States, finally don't catch a game, let me know. We'll have a beer for breakfast. Oh, beer for breakfast. Oh, absolutely. I will not turn that down. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> we'll it. see you tomorrow. And uh, everyone stay safe out there.